0: I believe that God is raising up an army. How many believe that God's raising up an army? When darkness seems to cover the earth, God's got a plan, he's not afraid, he's not wringing his hands, he's not sitting in the heavens saying, oh my, what am I gonna do about this? I'm telling you, my God sits on the throne. He is a God that all he's gotta do is just tap his foot and so be it, things will begin to happen. Can I? He's gotta just speak the word and everything will be all right. God's got a plan in these dark times. When everything's coming in, this week's been one of the hardest weeks of our lives. Everything in the world is turned upside down, inside out. My wife ain't even able to be with me today. My mother is very seriously ill in the hospital and getting better, but yet just to, and then getting all the reports of the different things that's been going on in the church and running here and running there. Things has gone crazy, but I want to tell you, I know a God that knows how to take craziness and bring order to it, chaos to bring order to it. So get ready. God's going to bless and God's going to move. In our text, you seen in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 4, in order for us to understand the many passages of scriptures when it's referring to the Old Testament, like the Apostle Paul's Doing here, we must understand that the Old Testament was types and shadows of things that was to come in the New Testament. there were many many symbolics in the Old Testament. The scripture tells us that the Old Testament was our schoolmaster a matter of fact, in First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11, the Bible says that the things which were written long ago in the Old Testament they were written for our example and our admonition, and for our learning. A lot of people want to discard the Old Testament but because of the law, but that is not what we're supposed to do. There are all kinds of things in the Old Testament that is seen in symbolics that refer to things that we are to learn in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul made reference to many of these symbolics within our text. He talked about a spiritual rock. Now, we always talk about spirituality. How can a rock be spiritual? But he's talked about a spiritual rock. He talked about a spiritual meat. He talked about a spiritual drink, which was Christ and we know that that, that Christ was that spiritual, He uh, he fit the description of that spiritual meat because how many knows that Jesus is the hidden manna? How many knows that Jesus is the bread of life? He's also that spiritual drink. He's the wells of salvation and he's the springs of living water. But not only that, he's that spiritual rock. He's that chosen firm foundation. He's that chief cornerstone. Can I have an amen? It was David said that he pulled me out of the mirey clay and out of the horrible pit and he put my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. That rock is Christ Jesus according to the Old Testament and according to Paul's teaching in the New Testament. He talked about how Israel being under the cloud which represented Israel being under the shadow of the presence of God. Israel was under God's divine covering. How many want to be under the divine covering of God this morning? I want to tell you whether you know it or not you are under the divine covering of God. That's what we got to understand here today. The cloud represented God's presence in many different ways. The cloud would be used to protect the children of Israel. The cloud would spread itself over the children of Israel and overshadow them and protect them from the burning hot desert. As we know, as they left Egypt, that old desert was hot and you couldn't travel it by day very long or you would be burned up. And a lot of their travel was in the evenings and late in the afternoons to where it was a lot cooler or early of the mornings. But here God in the middle of the day would come over them with a cloud and it would shadow from, from the hot summer heat. Can I tell you he also shadows us from the fiery darts of the devil. And all of the things that the enemy has got that comes against us, God's overshadowing us. It would also be used as a manifestation of God's presence. It would be a compass. It would be for He the presence would be for the purpose to lead or to guide the children of Israel to their chosen destiny. The children of Israel would literally see the cloud. It would literally physically see it. And they would follow after it as a guide to them to the promised land. And when that cloud stopped, they stopped. When it went, they went. And when it went fast, they went fast. When it slowed down, they slowed They didn't do what they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it. They didn't say, well, I just prefer to stay in today. No, sir. When God began to move, they moved. When's the church going to learn? When God moves, it's time for us to move. When God stops, it's time for us to stop. When God says, go, go. When God says, stop, stop. When God says, go right, go right. I want to tell you, it's time. We don't have a small. Smor- Board religion around here where we can pick and choose what we want to do, when we want to do it. And when God says it's time for public worship, it's time for public worship. It's time for the people to gather to lift up their voice to come into his sanctuary with praise and thanksgiving. It's not a come to come and sit down and say, Well, if they can stir me, if they can, if they can somehow get me in the mood, I'll worship God. No, no, no. God done told us what to do. God's already overcovered us. God's, oh, somebody, this ain't even even in my notes, but I feel the Holy Ghost dry here. Can I tell you it's time for the
1: church to understand that we're blessed by God? We got an over-covering shadow of the presence of God in the sanctuary. And when God says go, go, when he says stop, stop, when he says worship, worship, can you stand to your feet and worship God right now? Come on, give me praise in the house of God. Woo! Oh,
0: Hallelujah, you may be seated. But the cloud not only would be there to overshadow them, to protect them, it would not only be there as a compass, as a guide, but the cloud would also be there for the children of Israel in its visible form and cause darkness to be upon Israel's army. In other words, what was a covering to them, was a shield, it was a, a hedge, it was a, a seal of God's protection to protect them from the enemy. I know that there's been a lot of things going on this week and a lot of things that's been going on. I hear the things that's rumbling through the church. I hear how families are attacked and I hear how people are having troubles on their jobs. I hear about sickness that's becoming so rampant and I hear about everything that's taking place through the the prayer request and everything. But I got good news for you. There's a cloud of shadowing over you and can I tell you the enemy will be defeated. The enemy will not, he will not, he will not win. God's got a Plan. Hang on, it's not over till it's over. Can I have an amen? As we see all these different symbolisms in the chapter, I want us to notice verse 2. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. Notice that they were baptized unto Moses, not into Moses. In other words, their baptism brought the children of Israel under the obligation to Moses' law and to the covenant which was written upon stones, we know what they were. They were the Ten Commandments. In other words, this was telling us that when they were baptized unto Moses, that they were baptized under the law of God, that they were now having to be people of the law. In other words, their baptism was a a covenant with them. It was to them a typical baptism, however. But not only was the children of Israel baptized into Moses, but also into the cloud and to the sea. What does that mean? Our baptism of faith is into Jesus Christ. How many know that? As theirs was into the cloud, which was the presence of God, which gave them divine covering, that is the same thing that's happened to us when we come to Jesus Christ. When we come to Jesus Christ, it's like us being baptized under the cloud. When we receive Jesus, we receive his presence. Can I have an amen? We who were alienated from God has now been brought near to the presence of God. You who sometimes were far off from a nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those of you that were that were what we would call unacceptable. Those of you that in us that were while we were in our sin, you know what? We could not come under the umbrella of his grace because we had sin in our life, but because of Jesus' atonement, now you and I have favor with God and you and I are now having the presence of God in life. This represents our spiritual baptism. Just as their divine covering was from an outward sense, our divine covering is from an inward sense. First Corinthians 12 and 13 says, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Those of you that when you come to Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, uh, you were baptized into the body of Christ by faith. It's a baptism of the spirit. There's three baptisms mentioned in the word of God and I will not go through them. There's a baptism of faith. But salvation when you're baptized by the spirit into the body. There's a baptism of water where the preacher baptizes you by works. Then there's a baptism of the Holy Ghost where Jesus baptized you in the power of the Holy Spirit but here we're talking about a spiritual baptism. When we come to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us, guess what happens? He takes that old dead spirit that's dead and trespasses and sin, that's kept us away from God, that causes us to be neglected, that causes us to be disqualified, that's caused us not to be able to be a child of God. He pulls that dead spirit out, and instead of dipping it in water, he dips it in the blood
1: of Jesus Christ, and when he pulls it out, It's regenerated. It's justified. It's a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things have become new. It's salvation in Jesus. The firm foundation I rock. I'll
0: give, give Jesus a praise offering. Hallelujah. I can't wait to get where we're going. The presence of God covered them and protected them in the wilderness, even so the blood of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit seals us in our wilderness. If covenant, if law can bring a covering to the protection of the children of Israel in the Old Testament, how much more? Now, what they ask in the Book of Hebrews, if the blood of bulls and goats and heifers are sprinkling to the unclean, how much more
1: shall the blood of Jesus Christ? They were protected and shielded and empowered. How much more? Now you're not
0: getting it. You're not getting it. The wilderness represented the world that we live in. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, shields us, protects us, guides us to the promised land, even as their cloud did. Even as their baptism was unto Moses and brought them into the obligation of the law of Moses, even so our baptism into Christ causes us to become under the obligation to the Christian law and the new covenant of grace. But there's a big difference in there. Two, under Moses, they had a covenant and the commandments were written on stone. But listen, what happens under the new covenant, which is a better way. How many of us were living under the New Testament? We're living under a new covenant. It's a better way with better promises is what Hebrew tells us. Woo. Everybody looks at the Old Testament and says, wouldn't you like to live back there and seen all those things? But the things that you've seen in the Old Testament, they're not even gonna be compared to what we're seeing in the last day,
1: church, because as we stand on, better promises than they. get sick of hearing everybody he says, oh, the times of signs and wonders and miracles
0: are gone and they're gone when the word of God came together and now, oh,
1: God is the word and that's all. Hogwash! God told me that everything you see in the Old Testament cannot compare to what I'm gonna do in the new covenant under Jesus Christ. It's a covenant of better things to come. <laughs> Honey, put your seatbelt on, we're on the ride of our
0: and the enemy's tried to throw at me today, I want to just go ha ha, ha ha, punch him right in the nose. <laughs> Didn't even know if I'd be able to be here this morning with the circumstances rising around our home, but I'm here. <laughs> Enemy tried everything in the world to stop me from preaching this morning. He's a liar! Oh, I could have rolled over and felt sorry for myself. No. Oh, that ain't who we are. Why? Listen to why. Because we're on better promises. We're in a new covenant, and not a law that's written on stone, but listen to what it says in Hebrews 10, verse 16, 17. For this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I love Hebrews 8 and 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be unto me a people. What's that telling me? No longer are we trying to serve God like they did under the old covenant through the arm of flesh, law. We have stones and you try to read them and you put them the fronts on your forehead and you put them on the side, you try to memorize them. You do everything in your capability and everything in your human strength and everything that you can to obey. You're under the strictness of the law. One letter of the law that you step out of can kill you. One mistake, a fatal mistake can cause judgment to fall just like that. How many of are wanna live back in the Old Testament now? No, 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 no. But now instead of trying to live by the obligation of a law that's written on stones, I have a lively stone. It's called that God has taken my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And upon that heart of flesh, he changed it. The old the old heart that was corrupt and darkened by the things of this old world polluted and that which was flawed and that which was of no good, God began to reach down and he began to cleanse it up. And you know what he began to do? He began to write those commandments upon my heart. Woo! Come on, God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, written the the commandments not with pen, with ink, but by the finger of God. God began to just write them on my heart. And you know, this unregenerated mind that was lustful and prideful and arrogant and it was deluded and it it was confused. Come on, somebody. God began to regenerate that mind and he began to write the commandments of
1: God upon my mind. And now I'm no longer. struggling. No longer am I fighting in my flesh to try to please God. Why? There's a driving passion. There is a force inside of me. There is a passion and a desire and a compelling nature that's inside of me that tells me I'm a winner. (laughs) Hallelujah.
0: Not only was Israel baptized in the cloud, but they were baptized into the sea baptized under Moses, baptized, committed to law, baptized under the cloud, baptized in the presence of God, representing our salvation, but down there, baptized in the sea. The children of Israel was delivered from Egypt by the presence of God, we know that. Egypt is the type of the world. The word Egypt means worldliness. say worldliness. Even as God by the Holy Spirit delivered Israel out of bondage from Egypt, they were delivered. Even so, God has delivered us from the bondage of sin and from this present world by the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm delivered. If you're a Christian, you're delivered. If, if you're a Christian, you're free. Say, I'm free. Quit, around, quit sitting around telling the, letting the devil tell you you're bound. It's, it's, it is a sickening thing to hear Christians admit they got strongholds.
1: We've almost glorified it. We are free. Whom the Son has set free, we're free indeed. We're washed, we're blood-bought, come
0: on somebody. Now that Israel was delivered from Egypt, God told Moses, I will lead you to the land that flows with milk and honey. I want to tell you what God's saying. If the Old Testament children of God, Israel, God's chosen people, were led by covenant to a land that flowed with milk and honey, how much greater is the promises of God or what God's leading us today? God is going to be exceedingly abundantly above anything that we're even able to ask or think by the power of God that worketh mightily in us. If the land that God promised them was milk and honey in the Old Testament, how much more under the New Testament has God got better things for us than a land with milk and honey?
1: The thief coming out but to kill is to steal and destroy. But why has Christ done? He's come to give us life and give it more abundantly. God's come to give abundant life to the palace of praise. Can I have an amen? God began to
0: bring the children of Israel their chosen to their chosen and called destiny, which was their promised land. Even so, God is going to lead us to our chosen and called destiny. It's not only heaven, but it's to the land of kingdom, which represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a life in the spirit. You and I are being led right now out of Egypt through a burning wilderness for what? For a life in the spirit, a life of conquering. Get ready. Now, I don't want to lose you right now because you're saying, uh oh, I know where we're going. We're going to battle. You bet we are. And we're going to be conquerors. We're made more than conquerors through Christ who died and gave himself for us. But just like the children of Israel, we too are going to have to go through this wilderness journey, this trial, this test. But now that Israel was freed from their bondage of Egypt, they did not stop, didn't stop at all the old slave master Pharaoh from pursuing them. They were delivered. Set free, but the next thing you know is the enemy's pursuing them. Pharaoh began to pursue the children of Israel in the wilderness, even so, the devil does not give up on us just because we get saved. First Peter, chapter five, verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, that's what he mentions him, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. But God is also looking to and fro throughout the earth to see who he can be strong on their behalf. (laughs) You're not getting it. The devil's going around to and fro seeking whom he may devour. But God is walking the earth looking to see who who he can be strong on their behalf over. Oh, hallelujah. God has not abandoned us. God has not forgotten us. The enemy will come in like a flood and he'll hit old James over here and James will think, oh, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. Where's God? And here comes God walking to and fro throughout the oh. There's James. Oh, the enemy's really giving him a bash. And before you know it, here comes the rock. Here comes the spiritual meat. Here comes the spiritual drink. And before long, right in the middle of his old de- desert becomes an oasis. Right in the middle of his valley, he begins to be shoved up to a mountaintop. Just within more one moment's
1: glance, he gets to drink of the springs of living water. What happened in the middle of their trial, in the middle of their wilderness? God said, my Moses, struck the rock and water came forth. Moses, speak to the rock and water will come forth.
0: We're not abandoned. Come on, sir. look at somebody and say, you're not abandoned? Am I preaching all right this morning? I don't know why I'm preaching this because I didn't even know what I was gonna preach when I got up here. I'm preaching by faith this morning, folks. Oh, I love this. Now I don't even know where I'm at. I thought I was Sunday Baha'i. But now we see that the children of Israel, although they were already been baptized by the cloud under Moses, the cloud representing the presence of God, Moses representing covenant, they now are led by the presence of God to be baptized in the sea, which represents our water baptism. Now, folks, this is what I want to preach on. All I know is I come with this right here in my heart this morning. I've added all this other stuff in my head and wrote down some chicken. If you looked at my notes, you'd laugh. This thing started hitting me in an emergency room last night way past midnight. I didn't even know what I was preaching. I all week long trying to studying, had the funerals and had the mother sick and had the obstacles of different things, my mind was just shot. I said, God, you got to be graceful to this old preacher. You've come through many times for me. I need your help this week. Sitting in the emergency room last night and God began to just, a thought came to me. And in that thought, this is what come out of it. Baptized in the sea, he said. And I said, well, we're having water baptism tonight. But I've seen something to this that I've really never seen before. This water baptism is God's ordinance, it's God's command, it's not man's. Come on. It was God that led them through the sea. As a matter of fact, I'm here to tell you today, whether you believe in water baptism or not, God commands that everyone that has been delivered from Egypt through their spiritual baptism by faith, you gotta go by the way of the sea. Amen? Everyone that is saved must go through what we call water baptism. It is the first act of obedience for a Christian. As a matter of fact, what is the great commission? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the world. That's the great commission. The command upon the church is to make disciples and baptize them in water after their confession. Amen? Now, God has shown me something in this water baptism that I really never thought about before. 37 years of preaching, studying the word of God, all of a sudden just a thought came to me and out of that thought came this. Israel's enemy that possessed the promised land wasn't really afraid of Israel at the release from Egypt. Think about it, I wanna say it again. Israel's enemies that possessed the promised land the Canaanites, was not really afraid of Israel at their release from Egypt, right? Israel had no name of herself. She was known as a weak, frail, fragile, worthless slaves that escaped from her bondage. The Canaanites had heard about the release of the children of Israel from their bondage, but they had really no reason at all to respect or to be concerned or to be afraid of them. Big deal, Israels escaped Egypt. They heard how that Pharaoh began to pursue them and thought of Israel as only someone that escaped a prison. Egypt was one of the strongest forces in the world, the strongest military might at that time in the world, and they had no doubt that Pharaoh would catch them and that Pharaoh would take care of them and he would either annihilate them or take them back home. And this is true also to those of you that get saved the world, a lot of times, does not rejoice with you or take you seriously. I remember the joy in my heart when I tell my friends that their countenance would fall. Well, okay. You think, man, why ain't you happy for me? Come on, somebody. How many know what I'm talking about? Your joy became a shame according to what the psalmist said. David said, how long will you turn my, 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 my uh, delight into scorn? How long will you look at my joy and turn it into vanity? Every time that we get saved, does not mean that the world takes it the way that we take it. They really don't believe that we, as the redeemed, blood-bought children of God, will possess our land and knock down the gates of hell, and really will be changed. We hear people all the time talking about new converts. Oh well, that won't last very long. Ah, I, I know they're alcoholics today, but they've been. This this has happened before. They'll be in for a couple of weeks. They'll be back out. Come on, somebody, you've heard that. People that strung out on drugs or people that's got different vices in their life, they're always saying, you know, give it a month, give it three months, give it six months, and it'll be over with. They really don't take us seriously. The people of this world thinks that the influence of Egypt and the power of Egypt and Pharaoh is much stronger than the children of God under the influence and the light of the kingdom of God and the spirit of God. But when Israel went through the Red Sea, the enemy began to sing a different story. Things begin to change a little bit. Listen to what Joshua chapter 2, I'm about to shout. Somebody over here knows where I'm headed. And Rahab said unto the men, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we heard, this is when it happened, how the Lord dried up the water in the Red Sea for you. In other words, we heard about your baptism. When you came out of Egypt and what you did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Shahan and Gog, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts didn't melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. Because your God, he is the God in heaven above and the earth beneath. One minute, Israel not a threat. It's no big deal that they escaped Egypt. Oh, we've heard those tests, but something happened. They went out and got water baptized. You see, the Holy Spirit began to say to me, the devil in the world could care less what you profess. I'm a Christian, they could care less. They don't take you seriously on somebody, but when you begin to live out what you have received by faith, uh uh-oh, that makes him afraid. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, water baptism is like going through the Red Sea. When they see you beginning to operate in faith and obedience, your enemy will begin to tremble. They're seeing that you're serious about what's happened to you that this ain't been a game. It's not just been an emotion. This thing stuck this time. It's like old Shirley Caesar has an old song about mama. And in the song, it talks about her and her sister and Aaron, her brother, going out and playing church. And they get a little sacrilegious sometimes and mama had to correct them. And one time she got out there, old Shirley did, and they were come out of a real life experience for her when she wrote the song, they say. And said they were out there and Aaron was the preacher. He got to preaching. And Shirley Caesar and her brother was the, or Shirley Caesar and her sister were the congregation. And they would act up, you know, they'd fall out in the spirit and they'd do all kinds of things that they seen. And that one particular day when they were playing church and Aaron got to preaching, something got a hold of old Shirley. And old Shirley got up and she began to shout and she began to cry. She began to repent of her sin and, all of a sudden, she began to get a little crazy. I forget her sister's name, run in and said, Mama, you better get a hold of Shirley again. She's getting in that Holy Ghost thing that she pretends that she always tried to correct because she didn't want to become sacrilegious. She went out and she looked out the kitchen window and seen old Shirley. She said, No, honey. I said, Shirley ain't playing this time. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you this morning, then until the believer takes a stand and starts being obedient. And when he takes that first step of obedience, all of a sudden, all things in the heavenlies begin to change. The enemy begins to look at you in a different way. When you begin to start activating your faith, watch out because you have now become a threat to the enemy. When we begin to operate in obedience of faith, it's like a miracle is being performed right here in the heavenlies and in the spiritual. When people see you making a public stand, an open profession of faith. In your water baptism, they will say like Rahab said, and they will say that your God is not only a God of the heavens, but you're the God of the earth. And she made a confession and got saved and repented and she, what? she hit the spies and she began to work in obedience. The operating of faith scares the enemy to death. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. It will cause Rahab's to repent. It'll cause people to be converted when they see that you're really real in your faith. Water baptism reflects just how much a real real convert believes in what he's received. It is one of the first acts of obedience. Activated faith scares the enemy to death. Hebrews 11 and 1, without faith it's impossible, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. Why does faith face the substance, hope for in the evidence of things not seen? All of a sudden, a man that knew nothing, came from nowhere, was nothing, has now become a child of God, and now he's confessed Christ, but he's done something. He's begun to activate his faith. Now he believes in the things unseen. Now he begins to be controlled by the spiritual instead of the carnal, and now he's got a mind of Christ. He's got a heart that's got the commandments written on it. He's got a mind that's been regenerated and renewed, and now he's a new creature in Christ Jesus, and all of a sudden, the activated faith begins to scare the enemy to death death. It is our activated faith that causes us to subdue kingdoms. It causes us to obtain promises. We don't stop short of whatever thing God's got for us. Quit sitting there and saying, I've battled and i battled, but I've never received. I want to tell you, faith can cause you to obtain promises. It empowers us to stop the mouths of lions. It protects us and causes us to quench the violence of the fire and escape the edge of the sword. It enlarges us to wax violent and fight and turn the flat the armies of the aliens. It causes us not only to obtain righteousness, but to also work righteousness in the earth to really spread righteousness. It causes lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It causes the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the blind to see, the dead to be raised again. It causes the red seas to split, the fiery furnaces to lose their effect. It causes mountains to be removed. It
1: causes demonics to be cast out. It causes strongholds to be broken. It causes giants to be removed. It causes fear to be abolished. It causes us to be the pursuer instead of the it causes us to be on the offense instead of the defense.
0: Instead of the gates of hell attacking us, we stormed the gates of hell. And Jesus said, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It caused us to run through a troop and leap over a wall. It causes the weak to say that they are strong. It's by faith that we walk in the anointing and we receive miracles. by which which we are covered by divine overshadowing. But our faith not only causes the supernatural manifestations of the spirit to occur, but also enables and strengthens and empowers one's life to endure and to remain steadfast and faithful. It causes us to persevere, causes us to endure, causes us to be persistent even in the face of adversity. It causes us to stand and not be removed. Storms do not affect us, battles do not defeat us, demons do not scare us, and the devil don't intimidate us. Come on, somebody. Mountains do not stop us, darkness does not overcome us, and hell cannot stop us. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against them. There's not one weapon that's formed and plotted and planned against us that will prosper. We are the blood-bought children of God. To as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God. And not only sons, but heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. This is why water baptism scares the demonic world to death because it is a witness to the world that we've activated our faith we put our faith into motion. Our faith has been engaged, and faith is rising up inside of us. It is an outward sign of the inward work of Christ in our hearts, and we are openly showing that we have received him. Water baptism, actually, what does it do? It provides a witness of Jesus' presence in the earth. Can I have an amen? The devil's now fearful and tremble and hell knows our name because we have been born again and we have been planted in his likeness in the water baptism and we've been raised in his likeness. We've been baptized in his death, but raised in his likeness. That scares the devil to death, why? Because everywhere Jesus went, he went around doing good, healing all this as oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Come on somebody. And we're raised in the, if that same spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. When we go through the waters, he'll be with us. When we go through the fire, it shall not burn us. When we go through the rivers, they'll not overtake us. I'm here to tell everybody here it's time to quit being afraid. It's time not, it's it's time to not let the present circumstances overshadow us. I know there's a lot going on. We don't understand it. I've been praying myself. I don't have to understand it. This is what I've been praying to God with a lot of things I don't understand. As a pastor, when God lays something in my heart, and sometimes the things you do, you got, you got more knowledge than most because you're, you're in the vein of that thing. And you take it to your counsel, and you get them men's advice, and you put a time of fasting and prayer over it, and then you make a move. And then sometimes people come up, well, why'd you do that? Just start, and you, it, it can be offensive to you if you're not careful. Because you say, man, you, you don't understand all the facts. You, I can't tell you the facts. And, you know, and, and, and it can, and they're, and they're questioning your judgment. They're questioning your integrity. Not that we can't make mistakes, but I'm just saying sometimes that can be very offensive if it's not done in the right way. And I am not going before my heavenly Father and say, why, God? And God said, what do you mean? When do I get an answer to you? I go to him and say, well, I don't understand. And if there's something I'm doing wrong, I want you to reveal it to me. If there's something I need to be doing, show me. And if there's something I need to quit doing, show me. I don't understand, your ways are above my ways, your thoughts are above my thoughts, they're past understanding. And I know, God, that you're wise, you're sovereign, you're holy, and I trust that all things work together for the good of them that love of the Lord. Your judgment's always right, your judgment's always true. Everything you're doing, you're looking out for my benefit. You got my back, come on. We got to quit fretting about what's happening, what's going on and what's taking place and understand. We're a witness in the earth and the new covenant gives us the ability to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for our faith is not in vain and be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. I'm here to encourage this church, no matter how dark times get, don't understand it, but it'll be all right. Don't know what's going on, but I know one thing, I got persevering faith. I know one thing, I'm not sitting here whining and crying, but I'm gonna activate my faith and keep walking. I'm not gonna be stopped, I'm not gonna be removed, I'm not gonna be hindered. Oh, I may have to go through some hurdles, I may have to go through some trials, I may be pushed back, but every time he pushes back, I'm coming back. My old daddy used to say, boy, when you fight, you fight, you fight to win, and if they beat you up, fight again. If you'll keep it up, the enemy will soon get tired. He won't wanna fight you no more. Can I have an amen? Endure hardness as a good soldier. Stand up, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Oh, I'm preaching to this congregation today. It's dark, it's weary, it's cold. We're going into the last days. We see right before our eyes the one, one world government coming. We're seeing a, a, a horrible, horrible, horrible onslaught of demonic activity taking place in our nation. We're seeing politicians
1: lose their minds. We're seeing demon possession at a high rate. But... We see the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. We're not intimidated, we're not afraid, we're not gonna get, get sh- laid down and cowed down and quit. We are rising up.
0: Tonight we're gonna have water baptism. And there's so many. I don't know, Zach had a bunch but he's gone so he's gonna wait till he gets back. That And some, if you, if those of you that want to, you can still. Some are wanting Zach to do it. Some are wanting Randy to do it, he's gone today. Uh, just the way it fell. But Josh and me are gonna be water baptizing tonight. Mike's done left us. A lot of children are gonna be baptized, we don't know. Uh, if, if we're gonna do them tonight that want to do them. But we got a lot, and little Cassie is gonna be baptizing a bunch of people tonight as well. <laughs> There's some people over there that their loved ones cast out in. Oh, I've seen them for years try. Oh, but they're sitting, something different. Surely ain't playing this time. Come on, somebody. And there's gonna be some people come tonight that is authentic and real and they're activating their faith. And you know what they are? They're beginning to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. And God is putting a witness and a seal of His presence in the earth because of what they're doing, and the enemy fears and trembles. You know it's odd how the enemy will try to condemn you, but at the same time be so afraid of you. And he's condemning you because he's trying for you not to see who you are. He knows who you are more than who you that you know who you are. Can he sees your potential? I'm here to tell you that God wants to put an overshadowing here tonight, and God spoke to me. He said, there's gonna be something very unique and something special about this water baptism tonight. He says, I'm raising up a new army, a new generation. Every time one comes out of that water, the demonic territory of this area is going, oh, not another one. And then when you get another one, do it. oh, there's two of them. And if two shall agree only anything on earth, it shall be done in heaven by their father. No. Another one raises. Oh, if one can put a thousand. Oh, what can three do? Another one gets baptized. Ah. Oh, And by the fifth one, he's high telling it out of the region going to the throne of iniquity and saying, hey, Satan, I got to have a little bit more demons over here in this territory. There is a blood-bought children of God being saved over at the palace of praise like crazy. They're activating their faith. They're rising up in faith. I can't handle them
1: any longer. I got to have help. I got to have reinforcements. Amen.
0: Would you stand with me tonight? this morning. I don't know if it's night or day. I ain't have much sleep. I'll tell you what everybody always talks about. The CPAP machines being the lifesaver. That may be true, but the first couple of nights, they're hell. Can I have an amen? I've got one now. I must be getting older, I'm fixing to have a birthday in June and just yesterday, the other day I went and got my CPAP, went and got my glasses and I went to the dentist all in one day and broke my bank account. I tell you, I'm in the senior citizen years. Thank you, Louise, I need that blessing. Listen to me. There's a lot shaking in our world. We don't understand it. As I study the end time world and I see it coming to pass, I understand it's gonna happen. I understand that we are the forces that fight against it. We might be able to delay it. Don't always everything have to happen on our watch. And God's gonna rapture us out here soon and when he does, that thing's gonna fall into place overnight, boom. And I wanna tell you, but we need to push back everything that we can so that our children can have liberty before that day happens. And we're fighting the good fight of faith. Those of you that are discouraged, those of you that are fearful, don't be fearful. God wants you to activate your faith here today. Now let me let me speak very, very real to you today. There's times we have to renew our faith because we've let fear and disbelief. If you don't believe me, follow the rest of the scripture. I don't have time to read it, but from... First, First Corinthians 10 from five, verse five all the way to verse 11 and then in the book of Hebrews, it talks about what happened to the children of Israel as they went over to the Reds, uh, went over the Jordan River and they went into the Promised Land to spy out the land. What'd they say? Giants, they got fearful and they come back. We as grasshoppers in their sight. And they allowed their sight to dictate to them their faith instead of their faith to dictate to them their sight. Years ago, one of the first sermons I ever preached, I was praying as a young teenager, a young man, and I said, God, help me. And God gave me David and Goliath. He said, this is why that David was strong. He did not let his mind tell him what to see, but he let his eyes tell his mind. Or he did not let his eyes tell his mind what to see, but he let his mind tell his eyes what to see. In other words, he he didn't let emotion get in the way. He had a spiritual mind and he said, no, I'm not letting what I see affect me. I'm gonna let what I know affect me. And he went out and he fought Goliath and he won. But the children of Israel got fearful in their sight. We're like grasshoppers. And the Bible says they roamed 40 more years in the wilderness and their carcasses fell and they died there. A whole new generation rises up They have to be sanctified. They have to be baptized again under the cloud. God tells Joshua, the new commander, sanctify the people for today, for tomorrow. I'm gonna do great and mighty things that you not know of. So he pulled them aside and they sanctified themselves. They got under the cloud, the favor of God. And then what happened? They had another water split. It was the Jordan River. They had to be baptized in the Jordan. And they went through their water baptism to go over into promised land. Those of you might have to do your first works over. Tonight, if you feel led to, bring you a, a suit of clothes and a towel and we'll baptize you. Those of you that's never been baptized, we want you to be baptized tonight. God has laid this on my heart heavily. He's saying, I am going to rise up an army at the Palace of Praise that you cannot even imagine. And we're going to be unstoppable, unmovable, unshaken. And we're going to be the army and the force of God in the land. Can I have an amen? you believe that? Are you with me? But if you're discouraged here this morning, if you're weary, if you're tired, confused, I want you to come up. We want to pray for you. I'm not going to hold long if there's no one needing that kind of a prayer we, we'll we dismiss and we'll go on but I know one thing things are heavy right now things are being shaken right now there's a lot of trial going on a lot of tests a lot of trouble test, trial, trouble and temptations I call them the four evil T's. but yet they're out to work and a great work in us is there anybody here this morning I'm not going to hold long that needs our prayers. Oh, Holy Spirit. Can I have some women to come, please? Some of the women. My elders, wives. I need my prayer warriors, my altar workers. Come on up, guys. Start laying hands on the people with me. So much need. So much need. Those of you that are in the congregation, would you get in an attitude of worship and prayer? Would you just lay your hands this way and pray for these people that are going through the fire? Going through the trial, going through afflictions. Going through test.
2: Much stronger the King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me. And worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is unveiling love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross With down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done. God bless you this morning.
0: Me. Thank you for your obedience and reverence to those at the altar. We'll see you tonight. Come out. We're going to be doing water baptism. And we're going to have a service out of this world. May Worthy you be blessed. The king. In Jesus' name. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
2: Worthy is the King who conquered the great. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave Worthy is the lamb who was slain For all that you've done for